Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast where I'm joined by Thomas Johns at Intense Thomas, who is the founder of Moonbase 5, a buy now pay later service for your Bitcoin. He's also also authored a outstanding book as it seems. I haven't read it. I'm not going to lie to you, but it seems a little over my head. Guy's a genius. But it's called Spiral Dynamics. It's enjo- endorsed by John Mackey, the founder of Whole Foods. He spoke at the United Nations. He won a uh, hackathon sponsored by Plebs. This guy's great. So if you're not following at Intense Thomas, you need to be right now. So go ahead and get on Twitter. Pause this episode. Follow at Intense Thomas. All right, now you're back. And then we get into six current event stories. So we go to the plebs. Plebs out for blood. Plebs are going at influencers left and right. We break down that. BlockFi struggling. FTX is then buying BlockFi and uh, potentially buying up Robinhood, Goldman Sachs, potentially buying up Celsius, TradFi, and uh, you know this new DeFi protocol, crypto, Bitcoin merging, maybe. I don't know. Compass Mining dying, uh, how they're kind of similar to BlockFi and falling apart as it seems. We get into that. Then Crypto.com removing Doge and Shiba and more shitcoin rewards. And then lastly, Michael Saylor buying up more Bitcoin. So we have a jam-packed episode here with an outstanding, outstanding guest. And as always... This is not financial advice, not financial advice, not financial advice. Both myself and the guest are not financial advisors, and everything should be taken as opinion and strictly opinion. So please, please, please do not take this as financial advice. Now let's get into the episode. Whoosh. Bing bong. I am live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But first, I'd like to thank... My node, because my node is helping me set up podcasting 2.0. So if you're on Fountain Breeze or any of those wallet or uh, podcasting apps, feel free to stream me on there, send me sats or, or do whatever. And uh, it's all thanks to my node. So if you're looking for a Bitcoin node and want to run your own, they have hardware and software. You can buy it all put together or you can buy just the pieces and put it together yourself. And they have great, easy to use software. So if you're looking to get into uh, running your own Bitcoin node, go ahead and check out my node. And now I have a very special guest, Thomas Johns, who's sitting here in the waiting room. Now here he is. Thomas, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on, Brandon. I want everybody out there to make sure they like and subscribe to Mr. Brandon Green Candlelit. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Uh it's, a, it's awesome to be here. I just really can't wait to get started. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really excited to have you here. So, I mean, you have like a really interesting background. And uh, but first, let's get into Moonbase 5. So I heard you on another podcast, but I'm still kind of I, I still am, I'm not really sure like what all what Moonbase is. 5 is. Yeah. So explain it to me like I'm a third grader. I have no idea anything about Bitcoin. And just where'd, you, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Austin, Texas. So uh, from you familiar you know, with, with Layaway? Layaway. 
No, I am yeah. not. You familiar with buy now, pay later? Yes. So Moonbase Five, the initial one of the initial products we're doing is buy now, pay later for Bitcoin. So let's say you want a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you could reserve the Bitcoin on our system, pay monthly, say a hundred dollars per month over X amount of time. And then after after you finish paying paying off those payments, then you get the Bitcoin. We can put it in a multi-sig wallet and whatnot. But the real goal of that was to, you see people like Michael Saylor, uh, he's able to get loans to buy Bitcoin. Well, the average person can't really do that, but I want everybody to be Michael Saylor. They may not be able to do it at Michael Saylor's level, but everybody can do it, you know, mini Michael. There we go. That's awesome. So, all right, everybody check out Moonbase 5. I'm sold right there. That's, that's, that's like incredible because that's like one problem I'm, I'm running into is like, all right, I'm running all out of fiat and now I, I want to buy more Bitcoin at these prices. And, you know, the fiat's just not rolling in quick enough to, to right. buy as much as want. So, and, uh, and you don't have to put up your Bitcoin onto, say, something like BlockFi, uh, which is having some issues. Uh, and, uh, yes. And to because really the most that people put their Bitcoin up is so they can buy more Bitcoin. And uh, I didn't want people to have to, I didn't want myself to have to keep on putting up my Bitcoin. Uh, so yeah, uh, come check us out and uh, we'd love to have you. I really want to build a community of, of people, not just people who want Bitcoin, but people who want, uh, how do you say, self-sovereignty, want to build their own governments, want to build their own communities. I love that mission, man. And I and I love everything about it. So, I mean, that was a, just one question that I was like itching to ask because I'm like, all right, this sounds like a, you know, it sounds like, you know, you, you sound like brilliant and you sound very promising and everything like that. And I, and I like all the stuff that you're doing. I like all the stuff going on at Pleb Lab in Austin. I just needed to know right off the bat, you know, what what, what is all this, what is all this commotion about? But let's bring it back a little bit. So who is Thomas Johns and like, how did you find Bitcoin? What's the orange pill story? Did you like go down the rabbit hole early or, you know, how did you end up finding this, uh, you know, funny internet money? Yeah. So I did not go down the rabbit hole early. Uh, I was one of those people, like a lot of people who knew about Bitcoin early and were just like, eh, you know, I was doing other things. I was working on other startups. Uh, but one of the things that brought me to Bitcoin was I was building this analytics um, device or basically, um, how do I say, GDP alternative. So looking at measurements that to track GDP in a way that was actually uh, responsible. Uh, one thing about GDP that people don't know is created by this uh, Simon Kuznets, this Russian-American immigrant uh, or immigrant. I think he was Russian, but. One thing he says, whatever you do, do not measure the uh, wealth, the, the health of a country using this measure. And that's exactly what everyone did. Uh, but it's really not really good for that. But while I was making those measurements, I was like, why is it the U.S. dollar like crumbling? And um, during that, it, I got the idea of I wanted to make the an asymmetric bet that the U.S. dollar should actually be crumbling, and Bitcoin was the best way to do that. Uh, and then I saw Michael Saylor do it, and I also wanted to to copy him because I don't know if you're familiar with uh, how this is, might be a, a, a boogeyman name, but George Soros uh, broke the Bank of England. Uh, he did it essentially the same way that Michael Saylor is doing 
uh, he took out a huge amount of loans in the uh, British currency. I think it was the pound or something else. Transferred it into francs, which was a stronger, I mean, uh, German, uh, some German currency, which was a stronger currency, and then paid it back in this now devalued currency. So I, I, when I saw Michael Saylor do that, I was like, oh, he's doing a speculative attack similar to George, my man George over there. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> how could I do something that is, I guess, similar? But it also feels somewhat bad, you know? You often hear where people will say that if you support Bitcoin, you don't support the American government. And I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like this interesting, you know, kind of uh, place that we're in. I, I, I don't think it's like not, in my opinion, it's not really against american values right because america is supposed to be like land of the free right the free and open like america has been very great for entrepreneurs and in my opinion you know my my dad is a, a small business owner and I, I know like quite a few small business owners and that's where i think that bitcoin can help the most right it's like a lot of these especially like right now during a very inflationary time like mm -hmm. you know with the the invention of lightning and, and other things like you can use that uh, to kind of undercut that 3% fee. And, you know, I actually heard the other day when I was trying to go and uh, orange pill this guy at a brewery, he said that American Express charges 7% fees. So it's like, you know, these, these companies charge these large fees, but like, what can a merchant do? And it's like, okay, well, I can accept even dollars over the lightning network uh, for, you know, 1% or lower fees. And I think, you know, these small businesses have definitely been hurting really badly with, you know, all these shutdowns inflation. and everything else and inflation, increasing costs, and they don't really want to increase their cost of, you know, their burgers, food, beers, whatever, because, you know, these big companies, they have, the, like, if they increase it, they don't have to increase it quite by the margin that these smaller guys do because they sell more, right? So I think, like, you know, Bitcoin in the end is like really actually one of the more American things that you can support because it's helping support small businesses. It's helping support freedom of the people and just like, you know, you know overall, like all those things. So I, I hear them when it's like, OK, you maybe you're like against the American government. But I think like the true American values is like, you know, land of the free. Right. So I think it's uh, the people kind of got it backwards. And I think it's kind of like the narrative is like a little flipped where it's like, all right, if you're going against the government, that's un-American when in reality, you know, America started by rebelling against the British government. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, do we go back to the original core values or are we kind of like, you know, at the values now? I don't really know. That's a, that's a good point. And I think one of the things you, you're talking about, the, uh, American core values and how Bitcoin really uh, encapsulates those core values. One of the things that I love about America is that it is able to evolve. And I think that Bitcoin represents an evolution. And uh, a lot of times, you know, we say that Bitcoin is a, a revolution, but I, I don't like to go that way because oftentimes revolutions end up <laughs> in the same place. <laughs> uh, and I think Bitcoin actually, we can evolve the way we are governing in a way that more aligns with the values of both the people and you know everybody else 
Exactly. Yeah. So uh, let, let's uh, let's bring it back a little bit to to like I know we kind of got you know off the the rails here with the uh, you know your mm-hmm. orange pill story, but do you think that there's something that uh, you know maybe back in your past or you know some interaction that you had that kind of made you more inclined to you know gravitate towards Bitcoin? Is there something like you know maybe you know you're you're more like tech focused or you know, maybe, you know, uh, I guess anti-establishment or something like that, that that like maybe like Bitcoin really clicked for you? Or um, did you just kind of have like that aha moment when you saw Michael Saylor going through and, and doing all that? Yeah. So one, I am a, my my background in school, I did I majored in electrical engineering. So I was an electrical engineer, but I was also like the uh, resident asshole and rebel <laughs> so and one of my friends is like thomas walks around like he owns the place i one one story is like i i got like renee descartes i read that book uh one of his books i think it was meditations and i don't know maybe that was it and i remember how he said he wanted to like forget everything that he'd learned and relearn everything so i did that in school so i told all my teachers you know forget classes forget your grades all i care about understanding and so i ended up not turning in any homework and failing every test but they all passed me because they like you're the only one who understands and so like i really took that approach to like trying to understand things deeply like every time i i have a question i have a project so i've always taken somewhat of a contrarian approach uh in high school i listened to a lot of lupe fiasco uh which was very like at the time very kind of like anarchists uh, in a ways. And I've not, I don't call myself an anarchist. Now I think now more of a, I guess a cybernetist. I don't, I don't really hear that term being brought up about. It's not quite a cyberpunk. I don't have a, like this dystopian view of, of the world, but I do have that like, I think systems and functions can actually be more equitable in governing how we, we move throughout the world and our society. So that's, that's really what sparked my eyes that I saw Bitcoin as this way to how I say evolve, how we're actually governing. And if you look at signals and systems, uh, Bitcoin is one of the things where you actually can have a, 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 a signal to noise ratio that's super high, almost perfect. Um, and you can't do that with other types of money. And that's something that also really, really excited me because now I believe we can use this new type of money to build a government system that is very similar to how we build the difficulty function. It's a system that has a target in mind, but is constantly adjusting. And that's what we need as the world is changing so exponentially fast. That's awesome stuff, man. I really enjoy that. Uh <laughs> Uh, I mean, <laughs> just the way you put things is really eloquent. And, uh, you know, the, the way you go down and explain it and your, your thought process through everything is awesome. So um, let's get to uh, your book. So you're the mm-hmm. author of Spiral Dynamics. What is that all about? And how did that happen? Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, Spiral Dynamics in Action. Uh, it's a book um, that I co-authored with uh, Don Beck, who helped F.W. DeClerc, Nelson Mandela, uh, transition through apartheid, and then also Sergey Soliman, who made like the Russian version of PayPal, endorsed by John Mackey and whatnot. And uh, Star Dynamics is uh, 
a pop version of this theory by this guy named uh, Graves at Union College, who was a contemporary of Maslow. So this is something called like humanistic psychology. And if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, so that that top level is self-actualization. But essentially, this guy's theory was that uh, societies and individuals tend to uh, evolve or to uh, change based off of their surroundings and their environments in a way that alternates between self-sacrifice and self-expression uh, or collectivism and individualism. And it changes in complexity based off of the number of problems that they've actually solved. So the technology that they have essentially creates this new sort of complexity that they have. Uh, so we wrote that book and that, that book, Spartan Dynamics in Action, uh, it's a great book, but it's very academic. Uh, I wanted it to be this field manual, but we didn't, we didn't quite get there. But another great book in that uh, film, uh, in that area is this book called Reinvented Organizations, which I don't fully agree with how it ends, but it's a great book. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, he just passed away, but Tony Shea uh, at Zappos. So he had this thing called, they use this organization of philosophy, organizational philosophy called Holacracy, which it was no bosses. So it's a bosses organization. What I do not like about uh, how they did it, in my opinion, is that if the way they did it, if you don't believe what they believe, you have to get rid of people. Um, so a lot of people ended up having to leave. Uh, in my viewpoint, I'm looking for systems that what do you do when you can't get rid of people? So systems that are more along those lines is how do we govern people when we can't get rid of people? And that's the difficult question. <laughs> Man, that's deep. So what brought you to, to write this book? Did somebody approach you or, uh, you know, to co-author it with them? Or did you just want to have it and you sparked the idea and brought it to some of your uh, co-authors and co-contributors? No. So what happened was my whole life has been like really this book. And my family desegregated large parts of uh, Southeast Texas. And it was a big civil rights family. Like we family was bombs, you know, all kind of crazy stuff, you know, just fighting that fight. And uh, when my grandfather died, he said, you know, you have to continue that legacy. And um, I felt like a lot of the laws in America were good, uh, were at least, you know, at least decent, but a lot of the things that we deal with today is the system itself. So I've been really thinking about how can I actually change the system? And uh, when you look at the presidents and whatnot, it's not really, or if you look at any organization, it's really, you can change the people. Oftentimes the people don't change the system. That's that's two different things. That's two different types of changes. So I went into electrical engineering with that in mind of learning about systems and how I could affect change in that way. And so when I found uh, out about Spire Dynamics, I was actually at this thing. Uh, I was invited to like Peter Till's uh, what is it? He was doing this thing where he's he's giving out like two hundred thousand to kids and whatever uh, to drop out of school. I was invited to that. I didn't get in, but at that time I was doing a similar thing where I would give like a group of ten kids uh, 
a thousand dollars, say, hey, let's build whatever you want to build. And I helped them. But the goal was to teach them autonomy and just to learn about uh, building bosses, organizations, building different types of organizations. And one of one of the great things, one of the big stories from that was like I had, you know, third grade kids telling me uh, I want to solve gang violence. And then after they're doing the research, they're like, this is really hard. And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's the point, <laughs> you know, she's like, yeah. And so they were just learning and figuring out how to do stuff themselves. And that's really what I, I wanted to do. So that's how I ended up coming to the coming towards that book. Um, and then also when I went to that Peter Till thing, this guy introduced me to this book about organizations, which talked about it, which this I hired the people in the book. Uh, one of the guys was. Uh, I forget his name, but he worked at Morningstar Tomato, which is this huge tomato company, largest in the country, where it, where they actually have a boss's organization. He then introduced me to this McKinsey consultant, who then said, "Okay, this is a bigger thing." And um, the guy that wrote came up with the idea was a professor at my school uh, that I had graduated. So it's this long roundabout circle uh, <laughs> that got me to actually write in that book. Gotcha. Well, you've done some other amazing things too. Like, uh, I believe you've spoke at the UN. Is that correct? Yeah. So we spoke at the United Nations. I spoke to uh, a bunch of high net worth uh, families. So ultra high net worth families. So these are like Rockefeller families, stuff like that. And uh, on large scale organizational change. And uh, that was interesting. Uh, it was also very scary for me when I did it. Uh, because what's interesting about these families is that they're just as lost as we are. <laughs> and I was just like, what is this? You know, okay, you guys are having the same issues? Okay, wow. So that was very interesting. Um, they have the same issues, but just on a different scale. <laughs> so, yeah. So, how did you even get that opportunity? Like, uh, you know, was it uh, just through, like, I don't know, word of mouth or something? And somebody was like, yeah, like, you, you know, you'd be a good fit to speak there. Or, uh, you know, how did that even come about? Yeah, that's a good question. It's because I wrote that book, essentially. Um, and so, when I wrote that book, one of the guys who endorsed it was John Mackey. And so, people were, were John Mackey created Whole Foods and um, people were just really were inviting me to a lot of things at, at that point. Uh, the person that invited me to that, their family started a large scale, uh, how do I say, grocery business uh, here in the US. So, yeah, this, I just got invited to like weird places. <laughs> and I just go on adventures now. <laughs> Hey, man, that's the way to do it, though. Um, yeah. And then, uh, Justin was also telling me, so we got introduced by Justin from uh -huh. uh, the Huntsville Bitcoin meetup. So shout out mm -hmm. to Justin and Huntsville Bitcoin. Um, but he also told me that you recently won a like Pleb Phi hackathon in L.A. Is that right? Or does he have won that won the hackathon with a quick uh quick thing um that we built basically it's just giving out sats to everybody who retweets the tweet. I actually was gonna show it off in a uh in a like a little screen. I wonder if I can share my screen. Hold on. Uh let's see. You might da, 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 be able to. I think I might be able to. Let's see. 
Uh, here Can we go. Like this. There yeah, we go. so if you scan that link, it'll send you to retweet. And as you're retweeting that, it'll actually DM you. And uh, it'll DM you some sats, and you can go from there. Uh, the big thing is I was trying to, like, get better at Twitter. I'm stuck at social media, really. And uh, I want to get a viral tweet. And I was like, what if I gave sats away? So this will DM you some sats, and you can open it up in Moon using LNURL or, or Blue Wallet and uh, get a, a few sats just to test the system. So if you would love to use this brand and let me know if any other influencers, any other Twitter personalities want to try and grow their audience, uh, let, reach out to me. You can also use this system. Uh, and so, yeah, built that. But I, like I said, I'm trying to build community. And so I really want to reach out and help people who are also trying to build community. So people who want to have a message or have a message and are, need help getting it out, like myself. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome stuff, man. So, I mean, you're doing all this great work for, uh, you know, the Bitcoin community with Moonbase 5, you know, the Plub Lab stuff and, and this. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the one thing I really love about the Bitcoin community is I feel like everybody that, you know, kind of goes down the rabbit hole and gets into Bitcoin is really embodies the proof of work that Bitcoin embodies. So, uh, like what kind of drives you to, uh, you know, go through it and really, you know, help the Bitcoin community and, and do all this, this kind of work? Um, you know, are you just like, you know, passionate about this stuff? Like what? Why are you, uh, you know, so excited to wake up about and uh, do stuff for Bitcoin every single day? You know, I'm going to answer that question. This is like, what drives anyone? Childhood trauma. Uh... <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the passions. Uh, I feel like an anime character a lot of times. I, I, it's obsessive for me. Like working is obsessive. I'm just always have to create something. I always have to create something. I always feel like I have to be working to help people. Uh, I don't like asking people for anything. And that's why I just like try to just give out as much value as I can and create things as fast as I can. It's like, here's some value, here's some value, here's some value. And if you want to give value back, thanks. But I'm like, I'm so terrible at it. So like when I first started out entrepreneurship, all I did was, was drive around helping people all the time and not asking anything. And uh, which is like a dumb way to start out entrepreneurship. Um, but yeah, so like that's that's really what drives me is that passion. And I hate I, I really do. I, I, I feel like I'm a very empathetic person. I hate seeing people struggling. I hate seeing people, you know, uh, in pain or just can't get their dreams out. I love helping people strive to get their dreams out. And so, yeah, that's that's really what drives me. That's awesome stuff, man. I really, I really enjoy that message and like all that stuff you're doing is amazing. So, um, you know, everybody that, uh, you know, sees that, that uh, QR code, be sure to scan it and uh, retweet that to get some sats. Um, but let's get into some stories. So there's been a lot that's happened this week. Uh, so it's a jam packed week for uh, all these stories. So the first thing that we're going to get into is Essentially, like the plebs are just going at all these influencers for, uh, you know, influence or for getting sponsored and kind of uh, maybe maybe selling out, maybe not selling out. Depends how you look at it. But, you know, people are going at Nick Carter, Pomp, Preston Pish, Peter McCormick, and it seems like almost every single one, uh, Bitcoin Maxis on Twitter are kind of 
kind of going at them. Honestly, I feel I kind of feel for some of them because you know, when you get these sponsorship opportunities, you don't really have any influence on the company, right? They are your partners in a sense. Um, but like you don't get to make any decisions on the company. So if they sell you, you know, and then they change down the line, it's either you have to like end that contract or do something too. So granted, I think like a lot of them deserve criticism, but I think like, I think it's, they're in a, between a rock and a hard place, you know, because it's like, well, something's got to pay the bills. Um, and usually these, uh, crypto places are maybe offering up a little bit more money, but, you know, I think, I think like the, the ones that didn't like necessarily sell out and kind of like stayed with their true, like Bitcoin only core values are the ones that are going to make it through. And the ones that just like, you know, crappy companies that we'll kind of get into later. But what is your opinion on, uh, all the plebs kind of going at all these, uh, influencers and, and everything for kind of, uh, maybe, maybe getting sponsored or selling out by uh, a lot of these like shit coin companies. I believe it's a sign of a healthy community. Um, so like the, the Bitcoin community is so strong and it's, it's core values are like, they believe them so strongly that anyone who really just goes against those core values or what they see, they're going to call them out. And, uh, the sign of a, of a healthy, of a, a strong community, I won't say necessarily healthy, uh, but what this could also end up leading to is like a fracturing in the community. And so right now we're having this question of what is a Bitcoin maxi and, uh, you see it playing out on Twitter as people talk about, you know, um, Nick Carter and uh, what's it, Preston Pitch and all of you know, You're not a real maxi, you know. It's like you're not a true believer. You know, you have you have uh, lost the way, Obi, uh, Anakin. You know, <laughs> you've you've gone to the dark side, and so uh, it's interesting to see. Like I'm like, okay, here's some popcorn. I'm watching. Uh, but this is also what I I think any large community goes through. It goes through this fracturing. So what are we going to do to make these sort of new groups and also to uh, continue on? How are we going to evolve as a group is the question. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, uh, influencers from now on are going to kind of be more cautious on who they take on as a you know, as a sponsor. And I think that, that that's like probably the best response that we can get. Right. Is like, yeah. all right. You, you know, they, they really take a look at their values and then, you know, it's not just all talk then because they know like Bitcoin, Twitter and, and all their followers will really call them out if they get sponsored by, you know, one of these shitcoin companies that kind of goes off the rocker and kind of promotes some of these. Yeah. You know, and so um, <clears throat> I think like, you know, we'll kind of get into some of the stories later about some of these companies failing, but it, it shows that, you know, that these companies that are run well um, and like really sticking true to like the Bitcoin core values are the ones that are, uh, you know, going to prosper. And I think from there, uh, you know, that's the ones where that, you know, they'll work with the influencers and those are the ones that will be successful uh, as long as, uh, you know, people don't, uh, you know, maybe go sell out i i know that's like really i mean it's it's easy to say from here it's easy to know. say yeah, yeah. before you you've you've had a chance to sell you know it's kind of like it's like you're in a rock and like you were saying before you're in a rock and a hard place because you gotta you gotta eat too so you're like oh well you know i gotta eat so it's like what do you do if you're the person that's 
let's say you you let's say you're just starting out as a uh, media person or, or or voice in the Bitcoin community, and someone comes to you and says, uh, "Will you shill you know this product?" and it looks like a good product, like you're saying before, and you shill it, and then you get into the technical details with what's going on, and you're like, "Oh no, this is not." So, you know, do you? <laughs> What do you do? Because your people, the 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 plebs, going to turn. You know, so it's like you said, it's a, it's it's a hard thing. I think what we're going to see is not only people being more cautious. Well, the older people are going to be more cautious. The people that are being in the space longer, one because they can afford to be more cautious. Uh, two, uh, they also have the I guess the the Bitcoin <laughs> to be more cautious and whatnot, and they have they've seen the blowback. But the newer people, they aren't going to. You know, when this next crop, let's say the 2024, 2023 crop, uh, when they come up, the new ones, they're going to be, they're not going to be as cautious because they're going to be newer to the game. They haven't seen these wars uh, that's going on. So I think what's going to happen also is that a lot of Bitcoiners are going to be less sponsorship focused in general uh, so that they can stay in their uh, core values. Because the same thing that the, the Bitcoin media influencers have, they use quote unquote, Bitcoin companies have that problem too because they accept money from VCs who made such and such and such, you know, their values may not align with, with the company's values and they may be pressuring them to do X, Y, and Z. And then they're like, oh, I have to do this so, so I can continue to, to exist, you know? So it's like, it's the trade-off between trying to run fast and run safely like, how do you run safely? Yeah. And I mean, like, too, like, I think everybody kind of ha- like, I mean, in the age of Twitter and, you know, podcasts and everything, like, there's always going to be something that somebody says, like, where maybe they don't have, like, the full knowledge, or maybe they tweeted out something, like, not negative about a certain company. So, like, I think that all, all of it kind of, like, started back, or at least... You know, the first big person that I started kind of going at people was Corey of Swan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he called out Celsius, which is, you know, which was good. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And so he started doing that. But like, you know, like, I I mean, he has like positive tweets about uh, not necessarily positive, but he said, you know, if you're going to stake your coins, you do it on like Ledin and BlockFi. And like maybe he named like one other. And so yeah. obviously like, it doesn't look good that he said that about BlockFi, you know, in the position that they are now. But, you know, when he tweeted that, he probably didn't know. So it's like, you know, it, it's just like, you know, it, I think like all these, you know, the Bitcoin, uh, you know, influencers, whatever you want to call them. Like, I think there's a, there's a group of them that really do mean well and like are really fighting like their the true cause for uh bitcoin but it's just you know when you're in the public eye it's it's hard to always be like you know perfect and beloved i think it's like you know when you get to a certain point everybody kind of wants to tear you down a little bit and so once you show a little uh, a little crack in the armor it's uh it's like game over you just gotta keep producing make more stuff you saw what when kobe Bryant was having issues what he did go out there play basketball harder they just need they need a ball harder ball shoot more shots Exactly. Go from eight to twenty-four, and then you're good. Right. right. You're yeah. good. You need to drop eighty-one points. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And then, so on that note, let's go into uh, BlockFi. So, there's been a lot that's been going on with BlockFi. So, uh, on June sixteenth, 
BlockFi and uh, other crypto lending platforms were forced to liquidate a lot of positions because the venture firm Three Arrow Capital uh, was unable to meet their margin call on some of their Bitcoin mar- uh, Bitcoin borrowings. Thus, BlockFi fired 20% of its staff, and then it was followed by being fined uh, by the state of Iowa, nearly a million dollars for violating the Nation Security Act. There's also been rumors now that FTX has bought them for very, very cheap. Million. Yeah, $25 million, where I think they were valued over you know, a billion dollars, multiple billion dollars previously. And I think it was like a 99% drop in valuation. So, you know, I'm not necessarily a numbers guy, but 99 out of 100 sounds like a lot. Um, lot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So um, BlockFi, like, what do you think about these like crypto, like lending program platforms? Because like, you know, for maybe somebody coming in who doesn't really necessarily know much about Bitcoin, it sounds appealing, right? These big, these uh, you know, platforms offer yield on your Bitcoin, which is an appreciating asset by all aspects. You know, if you zoom out far enough, um, and uh, you get a yield back, where it's like, okay, well, maybe this is like my Bitcoin savings account, but uh, you know, in the end, it's it's proving to not really be super sustainable. So, how do you kind of feel about these platforms, like maybe bringing in some plebs, um, and then you know kind of uh, where it's at now yeah they're bringing in people who are trying to live like these are people they're putting up their coins on a block file or whatever getting some coins you know some money back so that they can live on without having to sell their their bitcoin but they get liquidated it feels terrible like it feels absolutely terrible and you thought block in general you're like okay these are the good guys uh, I feel like a lot of people felt like they were the good guys. They were in so many podcasts, so many people that we knew and trust had them on the show and with tones that were overall supportive. Uh, and turns out that, you know, they were doing things in a way that wasn't uh, fiduciary, you know, financially responsible. And I was like, oh, Oh my! All my coins. It's like, what do I? What do I do? Do I take it off? Do I try to get it off? Do I? You know, is FTX? Please, FTX, please buy them. <laughs> you know, it's like, I hope so. Well, shouts to FTX for buying everything up. <laughs> yeah, they have all the, all the coins. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even know if that's like necessarily a good thing, um, because like right. you know, FTX is like another platform that kind of, uh, you know, is is buying it's up everything. everything. Yeah, and so we can uh, we can get into that too because that's kind of like my one of the next stories is that FTX obviously you know uh, before we started recording it was uh, when I was looking through the stories they were rumored that they're buying BlockFi but it's been essentially confirmed on Twitter at this point but uh, you know they're they're buying BlockFi uh, it's rumored that they're going to try to buy Robinhood as well so it seems like. No, I I don't know where all of this money uh, that FTX has because, right, they're like the sponsor of Major League Baseball. They have, uh, they're the sponsor of the Miami Heat Arena. It's the FTX Arena down there. Uh, I know they sponsor Tom Brady and some other major athletes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so somehow, I, I don't know where all this money is coming from, where it's either they're spending a ton, a ton of money on marketing and like buying up all these companies and they're kind of hoping that they buy up all these companies and they all like dry up. Um, but I don't, 
Yeah, I I don't know. Sam Bankman Freed, if you're familiar with him, is insanely good at arbitrage. He made like a billion dollars in arbitrage already. Um, so if he's using those skills, one thing's about people who are really good at arbitrage, they're very good at finding opportunities. Warren Buffett is another person that ex was extremely good at arbitrage. A lot of people think he was just completely compounding his money. Well, he, that's true, but it's also that he was doing a, a hell of a lot of arbitrage in the early days. Uh, it still does a lot of arbitrage uh, with merger arbitrage. So uh, if you looked at like the Activision, when Microsoft said that they were going to buy Activision, so he bought a bunch of Activision knowing that it's going to convert into uh, Microsoft. So uh, people that are really good at, at arbitrage tend to be uh, they know how to buy low, sell high. And so you see that with BlockFi, he's buying it for very low and he's going to get, he's going to get it up. So I, I do have some confidence in, uh, sound Bankman's free. Uh, I know he's a shit. He has a bunch of shit going May Solana at the same time. Uh, but I think he's a good arbitrator and I'm just like, for a lot of people, FTX is going to be the savior. <laughs> You know, they have coins up on there. So, you know, I hope I hope it goes well. I hope it goes well. I hope that the money, because when he says it, FTX has money, they sell it from Alamedia, um, which I actually think is Sam Bankman's Freed's company. So I think he's funding himself. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I believe him when he says, you know, I think he got up on one Bitcoin Miami and said that, they're going to be the largest exchange in, in the world. And I, 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 with the pace that he's going, and if he's able to do it soundly at, at these prices, it's going to be true. Because what he's buying from Robinhood and uh, BlockFi is not just the, uh, the users that they have, but also their regulatory clearances that they have. And uh, there's a lot of products that you can't, do on in America right now, and if he buys them, that you will. So it is interesting. <laughs> it is yeah, interesting. I mean, it's definitely interesting too. Because I mean, like Robinhood does offer crypto products, and now that they they let you, you know, take it off, um, which I think is an improvement for Robinhood. But oh, so you can take it off now? That's interesting. Yeah, so you can do that, um, which is good. But I know that they have like a limit. I think it's like five grand or something like that per day uh, um like worth of whatever coin you have on there um yeah. obviously we don't recommend doing that but um you know it also allows people who may be coming in and the one thing that i do like about robin hood is that it, it is like although it kind of gamifies like investing for you know new users i think like as far as like the ui ux uh goes it's probably the best out of any of the apps which brings on um, you know, a lot of younger people who are trying to do it from their phone. And so yeah. it does give a lot of exposure to that. And, you know, at the end of the day, if it's FTX, like kind of getting, uh, you know, buying them up, um, it's going to be interesting because it's a lot of like now TradFi and, you know, crypto kind of merging. And so it's like traditional finance and the new age finance are kind of coming together. And on that note too, like Goldman Sachs has been rumored to buy Celsius for like pennies on the dollar as well. And so, you know, it's just kind of like, we're at this interesting inflection point right now where 
a lot of these uh, crypto companies that are that kind of had like poor business models, but blew up really quickly because of, you know, the bull runs and everything else. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, being offered for cheap. And a lot of these TradFi companies are, uh, you know, getting kind of interested. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, well, initially it was all these Wall Streeters kind of saying like, you know, Bitcoin's full of shit and, you know, they never want to get on it. But now it's like, all right, these big companies are going to to buy them. So it's more like, all right, don't look at what I say, look at what I do. So it's interesting. I think uh, we're we're kind of in a a little inflection point here. And I think, uh, you know, some of these bigger bankers are going to start to, uh, you know, embrace uh, Bitcoin and, and maybe crypto to a lesser extent, but I think it's it's slowly kind of coming along that way. And I don't know if it's even slowly. It's, I feel like it's about to happen all at once, you know, because the big guys have been signaling Bitcoin for a while now, like JP Morgan, uh, I think Wells Fargo or Bank of America, one of them opened it up for their high net worth clients to buy Bitcoin on their platform. So it's so many people uh, opening up, but they just opened it up for the high net worth clients. So they're basically saying on the back end line, we support it. We're just, you know, being slow about it. Uh, and so, yeah, just try find, I think you're right. This inflection point is really, is really amazing. And it's like, it's like I tell people, it's like, especially at Club Up, we, I feel like I am around when um, the internet's just, beginning to take off like people are just now discovering aol you know <laughs> and it's just like oh wow this is amazing it's just like it's amazing to like be here to ride that wave and it's just like 10 years we're gonna be able to like oh we were there you know yeah it's wild and and a lot of people make that kind of uh comparison to the internet and and bitcoin and i know that's kind of you know an easy comparison just because of like how quick both of them have boomed up but um you know there's never been anything that's blown up to the size that bitcoin has blown up in as little as time as it has so um you know it's definitely something that's very very interesting and uh you know, both you and I see it as something that, you know, can can take over the world. And I think, you know, we're, we're getting to that point. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think uh, I think a lot of these businesses are going to start to integrate Bitcoin. And I think uh, and I think your, your point about the, the high net worth investors, too, is like, OK, well, these companies, the reason they offer it to high high net worth investors is not because like, oh, you know, we're just doing it for the high net worth investors because we want to do it. It's, it's in my opinion, it's because the high net worth investors are demanding that and they're they're asking about it because like those companies are going to do what those people want because they're like, right. OK, you know, if you're not doing it for me, then I'm going to go to somebody else who's going to do it for me. And that's how mm-hmm. they make a lot of their money. So that's where I think it's all coming from. And, you know, this isn't in part of our stories, but I've kind of gone over it in previous weeks. Like a lot of these luxury brands like Gucci and uh, some of these other ones are, are starting to accept Bitcoin as payment. And I think too, that's a, that's another thing where high net worth people are, you know, saying like, Hey, I don't want to pay in, in dollars or I don't want to convert my cash, uh, you know, us dollars or euros or whatever to buy it over here or wherever I'm going. Um, they want to, uh, you know, just pay in Bitcoin so they don't have to do that exchange rate or anything like that too. So I think like 
a lot of these high net worth individuals are are starting to uh, at least you know, come around to it, but maybe they're just not as vocal like on Twitter or anything like that. Um, you know, so I think it's it's definitely an interesting time for sure. Yeah, well, it's not a lot of high net worth individuals on Twitter. I feel like. Yeah, exactly. Or the younger ones are on Twitter. It's not the older ones. <laughs> yeah. And then on that note, so we kind of went over FTX and BlockFi. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we got to dive into Compass Mining. So similar to, to BlockFi, there's been a lot of smoke around Compass Mining. For a while. Uh, yeah, for a while. <laughs> First, uh, the miners were seized uh, that they had in Russia, which why would you have uh, you know miners in you know, a place where there's a lot of uh, geopolitical uncertainty? I don't know. I don't run that business, but it didn't really seem like a great plan to me there. Um, then... Recently, they've uh, eliminated their Discord server, which is kind of their connection to the community. Uh, you know, first, I, I don't really think that's like kind of a sustainable model to have like a Discord server for everybody there. Um, but like if you have it, I don't think it's a good look to definitely eliminate that. So there's that. And then uh, it's been rumored that Compass has $1.2 million of uh, unpaid energy costs. I saw Dennis Porter... Uh, who's a big crypto uh, Bitcoin influencer has mm-hmm. broken affiliation with there. And then recently the CEO Whit Gibbs and CFO Jody Fisher have resigned. Um, so there's been multiple Twitter spaces of compass mining kind of coming out and saying a whole lot of nothing. Uh, they do daily Twitter spaces, but you know, in that their defense, um, the social media guys probably can't say much, but yeah. it's like, you know, what, what is all going on here? And it seems like, uh, in the Bitcoin community, it's kind of like, all right, well, the Bitcoin community was kind of raised on don't trust anybody. And then in the last bull run, all these companies were created and people started to trust some of these companies. And now some people are starting to get burned. So I wonder if like, if plebs are basically going to go back and kind of revert to not trusting everybody, not trusting anybody. And then maybe it takes like the next bull run for like the newbies to get burned again or how, or if this is going to be kind of like a never-ending cycle. I'm kind of interested to what you think about that. Like, do you think like everybody's going to kind of go back and just be like, you know, not your keys, not your coin. They're only going to trust like, you know, themselves essentially or and like and all these bitcoin companies are just going to basically be like a means for getting their coins off of exchanges and everything else um and getting it for themselves um so yeah how do you feel about like i guess uh, the future of a lot of these bitcoin companies um when you know it seems like uh it's trust is going to be hard to come by the ones that are going out of business you should be calling up ftx right now uh Compass mining, call them up, let them know. <laughs> you got another business fire sale. Um, it's, I think it's interesting because uh, a lot of people are comparing it to the bubble, uh, uh, the dot com bubble. You can also compare it to music. Uh, so, like, you always hear the, uh, your parents talk about all oh, the music in the 70s, best music ever. And if you really go look, at the music in the 70s, they're just quoting like the, the 12 songs that were the biggest songs of you know the 70s. There was a whole lot of crap. And uh, we're just alive during the crap right now of, of the Bitcoin. So there's going to be a few companies that 
we're on sound foundations that keep on going at time uh, remembers uh, that we remember in the, in the future. And, but in general, most startups fail. Like every, everything in Bitcoin is a startup. Bitcoin's only existed for 10 years. 90% of startups fail. Uh, so, or something like that. Maybe it's even more than 90%. So uh, I actually appreciate the plebs and the, the Bitcoiners for trying uh, to trust because trust is how you build community. Uh, so, you know, maybe trust a little bit, you know, with a little less coins. So don't, don't trust more than you're willing to lose. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm excited about who's going to still be around who, cause the entrepreneurship journey uh, is very interesting and there's a lot of different ways to go about it. And I think some, the startup world is, has this, uh, they, they prioritize kind of a gold rush mentality where they're just going after go big or go home. And I don't think that way is sustainable for Bitcoin uh, because one, Bitcoin is so volatile right now. And then also, you know, yeah, basically the Bitcoin is so volatile. <laughs> so you really can't have that sort of gold rush ment mentality because it might go down, it can, it can go up to, you know, 12 million and go down to, a million, you know, so we have to, I think we should start taking a, a slower approach, approach that is much more focused on not who we can get money from, but how we can add value to people. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you there too. And I think like, you know, although Compass had its faults and everything, it did solve a problem for, for people. Like, it's a I real think, problem. yeah, I think like, there's a certain there's certain bitcoiners right i think there's one level of bitcoiners where they're only going to buy off exchanges they're going to hold it on there because they don't trust themselves and there's always going to be a place for exchanges now i don't i don't agree with that and i i think everybody should hold their own keys but i also realize like you know my parents for example or some some people who are maybe not technically savvy and who are, are used to having their money in their bank account and just kind of having it there that's one section of a Bitcoiner. And then there's also going to be the, the next Bitcoiner that, okay, maybe they hold their own keys and they have a Bitcoin node, but they don't really want to have their own Bitcoin miner. And then there's going to be the last section of people who, who have it all. You know, they have their own Bitcoin miner, they have their node, they're all that, they're all self-sovereign and they're, you know, digital. Yeah, exactly. But I think too, like, you know, for, for me, like I live in, uh, I live in a duplex. I have two, it's two bedrooms. Like I can't really have an at-home miner here. Uh, I don't have like a garage I could store it in or anything like that with power. And uh, so it's not really feasible for me right now, or it's not feasible for, you know, maybe those young kids are, you know, kid, I'm calling them kids, but people my age, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little bit younger who live in like apartments or something like that to have this miner that's giving off a bunch of heat. And so like, you know, having a company run it for them or, you know, you know, maybe they don't, they're not as technically savvy, like maybe that's a good option. It's just, it's, it's tough now where, um, you know, I think like a lot of, like you said, like the startup world is, is tough because companies fail left and right, but these Bitcoin companies have blown up so quickly because of, you know, the, the massive popularity of Bitcoin and just Bitcoin blowing up in general that, mm -hmm. um, 
you've seen the volatile waves of Bitcoin companies as well as the volatile waves of Bitcoin price and USD. So I think these companies solve problems and that's why they, you know, blow up. But at the same time, they, you know, although they, they solve problems, they also, you know, weren't obviously like super healthy businesses. So it'll be an interesting time. I think like right now, you know, bear markets are a great time to build. And so I, I hope like some more, uh, you know, well-run Bitcoin companies kind of come out of this or may, and, you know, the strong ones survive here or get swallowed up by FTX and Sam Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think like, you know, it's, it's just going to be the, this kind of uh, cycle where we're going to see more and more of these businesses pop up uh, through this bear cycle and maybe, you know, even a potential recession that we're, we're kind of uh, coming up on. You're right. I, I guess we, we are. I think is is has it is a recession is technically two quarters in a row or something like that. Yeah. So it's technically two quarters. Uh, last quarter, we had a negative GDP growth and the Atlanta Fed originally started this quarter with a prediction of one point nine uh, positive growth. And I think mm-hmm. uh, they've recently changed that to negative one. Um, so the Atlanta Fed is predicting that we're already in a recession, which I think like if you kind of go on uh, even uh, on Fin Twitter, or, uh, you know, Bitcoin Twitter, everybody kind of realizes like we're already there. Um, so yeah. it's unfortunate, but, you know, uh, I think it's like, you know, a lot of great companies and that's where Bitcoin was born out of. Right. Like 2008, 2009, uh, without that crisis. Um, maybe would we wouldn't even really be sitting here with Bitcoin. So um, I think great inventions kind of come out of it. And uh, yeah, so it's a great time to build and great time for these companies to kind of come up and, and figure it all out. So I, I'm, I'm really hopeful for the future, although it's like kind of an unfortunate uh, time right now. And, and I know people are really feeling it too, because you know, I for one am. So I know I, 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 like being in the Bitcoin world, and we've been saying, you know, recession, recession is going to come for a while. Uh, it feels terrible to see it coming in the same sense because, like, people are hurting. You know, people are, you know, there's people on the other side of that that dollar sign. So I want to say, like, for every one percent of inflation goes up, like a whole bunch of people lose, become homeless, or basically, or something like that. I should look up that number, but yeah, uh, it's. It's rough, and I I hope I hope out of it. Um, well, I know out of it we're going to become a lot better entrepreneurs, a lot more uh, uh, self, you know, actualizing or whatever. Uh, that's that's the good thing. But I I, I hope the crises, the social crises, do not increase a lot more. Yeah, I agree with you there, hundred um, percent. So, on a, on a maybe a little bit of a better note, Crypto.com has removed Doge and Shiba rewards. So maybe moving away a little bit from shit coins and kind of profiting off of that. So, Crypto.com is a really popular exchange. Um, you know, as FTX is a sponsor of the Miami Heat arena, Crypto.com sponsors the Los Angeles Lakers NBA arena, formerly known as Staples Center. Um, so, uh, obviously a big, uh, a big exchange with a lot of marketing dollars to, uh, you know, sponsor the Lakers arena. 
but they also do like some some things that that BlockFi has done and that Celsius has done, and that they offer you know up to fourteen and a half percent on Tether, Polkadot, and some other shit coins. But um, you know, I think a positive note is that they're removing Shiba, Doge, and thirteen other shit coins as of Monday um, from their rewards program, so people can still hold them on the platform, but they won't earn rewards from them. So maybe it's like less enticing to purchase them. I don't know. But uh, how do you feel about like kind of these uh, these exchanges maybe moving away or realizing that they have to move away from a lot of these shit coins? Because I know like, you know, Coinbase, um, although they offer and kind of market a lot of these shit coins, like majority of their profit has come from Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Bitcoin. Yeah, majority of their profits come from Bitcoin buying and selling. They just charge like an astronomical fee compared mm. to like, you know, a strike or, or a cash app or some of these other ones where they charge like a very minimal fee to purchase. Um, and so where I think the future is going is like a lot of these um, shitcoin companies or exchanges that offer these shitcoins, they're going to maybe they'll offer them, but they'll kind of realize like, Hey, like Bitcoin is like the most popular one. And maybe they jump right in. Maybe I'm just hopeful and ignorant um, too. But uh, you know, I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, the shitcoin business is a dying one. At least like, this is kind of what it's showing. I don't know. What do you think about all of it? You know, this is a good, I've my thoughts on the shitcoins in general. So what I believe is going to happen is that you're going to start seeing consolidation in the shitcoin shitcoin space as the price starts going down. So you're going to start seeing shitcoins merging, people shorting uh, shitcoins because essentially these are currencies that are pegged to different things. Uh, so you're going to start seeing a similar thing to what we're going to see in currencies, you know, national currencies, uh, but you know, even more so in the, in the shit countries. So there's going to be a like. Somebody's going to find an opportunity there, but eventually what I, I think either those shit coins go to zero or they're going to be used to build on top of Bitcoin. Where Bitcoin is the, the monetary like ability and the shit coins are used uh, to actually do the programming on. Uh, in a sense, very similar to how like basically gold is. So gold has pretty much no industrial value in my in my opinion uh, people say it's using electronics but it's like so f- most of it's using jewelry okay jewelry and money uh but things like platinum um have a lot of uh industrial utility and so or other things that do have industrial utility they don't become the money uh but they are used to be so these things that do have a lot of industrial utility in the shitcoin world I think will be used to build on Bitcoin. And I haven't fooled around with Taro yet, but it looks like that is a way that that's going to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I agree with you there. Like, I think, um, you know, just building around Bitcoin is is going to be the way. So, um, yeah, this isn't on the stories, but I'd, I'd be curious to what you think of, like, the whole, like, Web5 movement. Um, so, I don't know if you... What's Web5? What the heck is Web5? I, I thought we were Web3. Yeah. So, well, Jack Dorsey, he basically has come out and said that he's building a company called TBD, which is like a kind of a subsidiary of Block. 
yeah. where they're going to be developing web five. And I don't know if, it, if it's like a troll job on web three. Cause like, I, I can't tell if it's like serious or not, but they also have like job postings for it. So it makes me think that, okay, they're actually doing it, but essentially that they're, they're kind of taking the, um, the like creator, like earn off, off your data, like that kind of stuff mentality for web three and the you know ease of content creation of web two which is like what we're communicating on right now mm -hmm. um combining those two and make it web five now the issue that i see with it is it's it's kind of like um you know like right now like you know obviously aws and like all these big companies that have a lot of servers where you can store your data in the cloud and all that kind of stuff where this would kind of make it where everybody has their own uh, server and kind of stores their own data and like companies pay for it as well. So in my opinion, I don't think like it's really, I don't really see like the use case for it because like web, web two, which is where we're on right now is just like so easy to use and people right now just give up their data for whatever. We don't care about our data. We don't. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. like the average person doesn't really give a shit about it. And so I think, um, you know, maybe there's the, the cyberpunks and, and all those people that that'll care about it. But I think those are like few and far between. And like, you know, are we going to have like a dedicated room now or like an attic or a basement where it's, you know, your server, your, yeah, Bitcoin, your, your Bitcoin node, like all this kind of stuff, like in your house? Is that how like houses are going to be built in the future? I don't really know. Like, I don't That's, I don't. Like only rich people can afford it. House price is too damn high. Rich people yeah. have a whole room for your server. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I just think, and that's being built on Bitcoin's protocol, or at least like that's what they're alleging that they're going to do. So I don't know if it's actually going to come to fruition, but um, I just think it's like kind of like one of those things too, where it's like, it's, it's interesting because like a lot of these, uh, you know, Bitcoin and like shitcoin company or these shitcoin companies, they use the buzzword, buzzword blockchain and that, you know, they need to use this blockchain for X, Y, and Z. And like, you know, a lot of like I get approached every now and then by people who, you know, want to say like, hey, you know, we'd like to sponsor your stuff because we and we have this company that we do this with a blockchain. And I, my first question is uh, to them every single time is like, what is a blockchain? Because if they can't describe that to me, then they can't really tell me like, you know, what is the purpose of needing a blockchain for this? So I think like there's still kind of you know, a pretty big knowledge gap when it comes to like uh, blockchain technology and like all that kind of stuff too. So I don't know. I, I think we're kind of coming to like an inflection point too, where it's like, you know, the knowledge gap between like uh, shit coinery and, and Bitcoin is, is kind of increasing. And I, and I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Um, so with TBD, their thing is uh decentralized identity so that could be interesting but the, the thing about decentralization versus centralization we've seen this in in computers uh and so like for instance uh computers when it first came out everything was mainframe you had to rent space you know rent time on a mainframe you had to rent time on these servers really really large things that gave way, you know, to IBM, that gave way to the Mac, which was this new personalized, individualized, where everyone could have everything 
at their house. Uh, and then now we're back to putting everything on a mainframe, essentially. Uh, what ends up happening is what is the most convenient? If they can make decentralized the most convenient for the, the power, uh, then people are going to use it. But if they can't make it more 10 times better than Web2, they're just going on Facebook and Twitter, like people aren't going to use it. But I think the decentralized identity is going to make uh, how we do identity in, in governments and organization structure uh, change. And so that's actually really powerful because you could have an identity that follows you wherever, you know, it's really just, you know, if you had to, if you had a world government, if Bitcoin was to build some sort of global government, this decentralized identity would be a way to do that. Uh, which I know is some people don't like those global government words, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what could happen. A yeah. decentralized government. I mean, there's a, I, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's an interesting thought. And sometimes I, I feel myself going down that rabbit hole, like, all right, where, what could happen if this scenario plays out? And I just get my own mind in a pretzel. So, I don't know. <laughs> but you mentioned, uh, let's get into the last story. Um, you mentioned Sailor earlier, uh, how he kind of like, you know, I guess maybe influenced you or you saw like him kind of getting into Bitcoin, which made you kind of go down the rabbit hole. But um, I think it's not a true Bitcoin bear market unless he buys more Bitcoin. And what do you know? Michael, uh, Michael Saylor, Michael Strategy announced, uh, I think it was yesterday that they bought $10 million worth of Bitcoin at a cost basis just under 21K. And now they hold uh, just under 130,000 Bitcoin with the average cost of about 3,500 or 3,664 per coin. So say what you want about Sailor, but the guy has some serious, serious convictions. So uh, what are overall your thoughts about Michael Saylor and, uh, you know, his space or uh, his place in the Bitcoin space? Uh, my thoughts about Michael Saylor. Um I'm jealous. Like I am absolutely jealous. Uh, I wish, like, ah, uh, and so uh, you can. Uh, no one else is able to do this. No one else is able to to get as many coins. He's going to rule the world. Okay, there's there's going to be you know SpaceX and Michael Saylor. Uh, you know, so fuck. He's going to be the Michael Jordan of, of Bitcoin. I don't know what to say. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's unfair. Uh, people are going to be like, you know, when they get old, well, you know, Michael Sayer was able to get all these Bitcoins. You know, now we don't have any. Uh, what's really interesting is that, you know, he's able to do this because he's a public company and he controls most of it. Uh, and that's just kind of the benefits of being a public company, even with all of this drawbacks. And he's also has this huge SaaS business. Uh, you know, someone on, on, uh, on Twitter is like, yeah, he has a stream of SaaS. I was like stream. He has the Mississippi river, you know, it's, <laughs> it is a very big stream. So he's able, he's able to do this. And so even if he can't like, even if the Bitcoin price goes down, he can still service the debt with just his SaaS income. And it's, I would love to build something like that if I could. Yeah, I, I think that's what we all should be doing is using our 
SaaS income to buy Bitcoin. So all y'all listen and pop what you're doing and start a SaaS company. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if only it was that easy, right? right. <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I think it's interesting too, because Michael Saylor, you know, because he's in the public eye, you know, I don't know if you see it necessarily, but you know, I see it because I kind of have exposure to both like the FinTwit and the Bitcoin Twitter world where, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's pretty hated in the FinTwit fin community. And a lot of people want to see him fail um, just because of how much conviction he has on Bitcoin. They think that, you know, the way he's running his public company, it doesn't do just to the investors and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting because, you know, for me, like, I don't think I would invest in and purchase MicroStrategy stock um, just because like I, you know, I hear Michael Saylor say a lot of things about Bitcoin. I never really hear him talk about his own personal company, like what they do or anything like that. And he's never really out there trying to you know, sell it or anything like that. And, you know, the stock price kind of tracks Bitcoin price pretty similarly, at least from what I can tell. So um, I think Bitcoiners are kind of behind him, but like, you know, the, the retail investor or like the institutional stock investor isn't necessarily really behind him, which I think is kind of like an interesting, um, you know, little place that he's in. And so, yeah, I mean, I just think, I think like every pleb should strive to have the conviction of Michael Saylor because, you know, it's one thing to put in, you know, your life savings maybe, and you have like, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, downplay anybody's life savings but say it's like a couple thousand dollars into bitcoin where this man is like literally taking like million dollar worth of loans billions yeah and he's he's like pouring it all into bitcoin like that conviction level is just absolutely insane and like he's almost staking like his entire reputation everything he's built on his, his his entire life uh you know on bitcoin and it, I think like, well, for one, it's, it's great for the space to see somebody like that because, you know, you said like yourself, like it, it kind of helped you bring you in. And I think like he helped bring some other people in and it's like, okay, well, you know, if this guy's doing it, then it's gotta be, you know, worth something or something to look into at the very least. Um, so I think it's kind of like this interesting spot that he's in where it's like investors kind of hate him. Uh, and like maybe traditional fintwit people ha- kind of hate him, but like Bitcoiners love him. So everybody uh, hates you when he, when you're early. He's early, you know. So we right now they can hate him, but same with Michael Berry when he's you know he called out you know the the stock market collapse of what is that 2008 you know the Great Recession. So you know when you're early, you're going to be hated. And you know what? How I say if people don't hate you, you ain't doing it. So, yeah, so you, ain't, you ain't got haters, you ain't popping, right? You ain't, you ain't popping. So, you know, he's out here, he's he's making, you know, who else is hated? <laughs> Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah. He, he's winning. Okay. They're just jealous. Exactly. And what, what did Michael Jordan say in like the last dance? And he's like, you know, people hated me because I was so competitive and getting, and they called me a tyrant. And he's like, no, you're a tyrant because you didn't win anything. I won. <laughs> so, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of how Michael Saylor's got to be looking at it. Right. Like, it's like, I'm early, you know, maybe they're, maybe he's at the Michael Jordan stage where, 
you know, they're saying he's like, you know, an NBA scoring champion, but he doesn't win anything yet. Like it was before the first title. And then soon, like, you know, he's going to start going on that run and that's when everybody's going to kind of shut up. And I think like, you know, now it's like, like I mentioned before, it's like a bear market and that's when kind of everybody just jumps in and Mm -hmm. loves to hate on Bitcoin. So um, I think like, you know, like we've said at multiple times during this interview is that it's kind of like an inflection point where, uh, you know, shit coins are kind of falling. Maybe it's creating more Bitcoin maxis. And uh, it's interesting because like shit coiners are kind of uh, running scared where Bitcoiners are kind of loving the opportunity to buy cheap shit. Cheap right. So um, one I more think thing about like- Michael Saylor is, also, he can have that conviction because I feel like he's gone through the whole entrepreneurial journey and he knows he can do it. He can build it again. And so even if he fails, he knows he can do it again. Uh, this is not this is not his first you know, championship. MicroStrategy is a championship already. Uh, he has the just the domains that he owns are championships. Like he owns like a, a lot of the high level. I mean, he owned hope.com. Uh, so it's just like this man is continually is able to have the foresight to hop on these trends when they're early. It's similar to great arbitragers. So uh, people who are really good at arbitrage uh, or how George Soros says, you know, good at finding feedback loops. And he's really good at finding these feedback loops and riding them. So I know he can do it again. That's why he can have that conviction. So, yeah, sorry for jumping in there no that's a great point and i I really appreciate that point right there too so um i don't i want to be cautious with your time so i Mm -hmm. i i I feel like i talked to you for hours um it's been a great conversation it's been awesome i'm gonna have to have you back on some point in the future but um we'll wrap it up with uh one last question so what makes you super bullish on the bitcoin space going forward what makes me super bullish on, on the Bitcoin space going forward is people like you and people like me, because I'm about to go in there and go, Jordan, I'm going all out, boss of the wall. So uh, that's, what, that's what I love about it. And uh, no worries. We're going to get it. I love how you're making these NBA references and you didn't mention LeBron James once because I'm a huge LeBron hater. So, oh, I, uh, I, I love LeBron. I love uh, LeBron. All right, we can't, open, we can't, we can't open I can't come, I can't come back on the show now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Invitation revoked, but revoked. Uh, <laughs> Thomas, thank you so much for your time. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you and what you what all you got going on? You can find me at Intense Thomas on Twitter. I'm trying to get my Twitter game up. Me, be sure and follow follow Brandon at Green Candle Lit. Also, like and subscribe on uh, all the socials. Uh, Moonbase 5 also. And if you want some free sets, just go to that QR code that was in the middle of this podcast, scan it, and bam. See you soon. There you go. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thanks for your time. And that is it for the State of Bitcoin podcast. Thanks for coming out. No problem. Thanks for having me.